Awesome. Right, Ephesians 4 verse 11 to 16 I'll be reading from. And if you got your, if you got your bracelet uh, walking in, we made sure that they're showerproof and all that stuff. So this is there and the, the theme is full measure for this year. And it comes out of this Scripture. Ephesians 4 verse 11 to 16 says this, So Christ Himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. Now here's why He gave these people to the church, to equip His people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity in the faith in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure or the full measure of the fullness of Christ. So the apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers and pastors are there to serve and to build up until we get to the full measure of the fullness of Christ. Everything that He's paid for, we then attain to. Most of us are living under what He died for. Let the Lamb of God receive the reward for His suffering. We want, we want to live the life that Jesus has actually called us to live. And it says, if we put this in place, there'll no longer be infants tossed uh, back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people, people in their deceitful scheming. How many know that's running rampant right now? Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So here's this incredible passage of Scripture where God tells us basically how to structure the church. Now, um, last year, we went on this journey of, okay, Lord, how do we do this moving forward? Things are growing very quickly. You're on the move. Lots of people are joining what God is doing. Great, amazing people with amazing gifts, talents and so forth. What do we need to do to get out of the way so that we can be the wineskin that You've created us to be so that the wine can flow and that we would not hinder it? I believe that the day of the top-down CEO pastors at the top, one man and possibly one woman with all of that pressure and all of that responsibility uh, coming from the top is over. It's over. It's the way it is. It's over. And I just need to tell you that me and my wife have no interest in, as the church grows, in becoming uh, some kind of Christian superstars where everybody has to come to us because we hear the Lord better than everyone else. It's rubbish and it's over. Now listen to me for a second. We've seen in the last couple of years the CEO style of structuring churches fall to bits. We've seen great men and women of God come under an immense amount of pressure and not one of us was built with the fullness of the, the graces that Jesus carries. And so we get a, a, a teacher or a pastor or an apostle or a prophet or an evangelist who leads a church community and they're expected to be every one of those five graces when God has only called them to be one. 
And so if you could imagine a top-down structure like this, which we currently have, now God has blessed it. No doubt He'll use our frailty. No doubt He'll use our immaturity. But here's what we were asking God, how do we structure the church in the future to make sure that the lid has been lifted off? Yeah, so what we're doing is we are, it's gonna take some time, so, but we just wanna share our heart today as to where we're going as a church. Um, is that we, instead of doing that, we wanna create a five-fold team where all of the departments of the church and everything that goes on comes under them rather than under one person. So for instance, the prophet, uh, under the prophet would be everything prophetic, worship, prayer and all of that stuff, right? So this isn't something new. This is something we're going back to what was in the Bible for 2000 years, yeah? Now, I can already feel alarm bells going off because some of you have been part of movements and churches either in this nation or other nations where this was tried to put in place and it got really weird really quick. People started walking around with badges, only call me apostle such and such, I'm the prophet such and such. And people got really title heavy and ego driven. That's not going to happen here. We're gonna do everything we can for a spirit of humility because here's the thing, most people will structure a church with the fivefold. And by the way, God's doing this around the world right now. He's actually bringing a lot of big movements back to fivefold structure. Instead of the fivefold being at the top, the fivefold are actually meant to be at the bottom, serving and equipping the body to become all that she's made to be. So that's what we're working towards. And a couple of things, and I'm gonna teach on this in great depth as the year goes on, but a couple of things. There are, there's more than, gone are the days of there's only one apostle, super, Superman with a cape on his back um, that you know, is the only apostle in, in the whole nation. Listen, there's many apostles in this church alone. There's many prophets there's many evangelists, there's many teachers and there's many pastors. And so what we wanna do is build a team of people, yeah, that in a sense are like the Avengers in the sense that they are, it's not one guy, it's a team, but not like the Avengers in the sense that we're not the superheroes. The job of the fivefold is to equip the body to, be, to come into the full measure of what Christ has created her to be. So this will be a process. We'll get it wrong at the start. We'll trip over ourselves. We'll, we, might, we might put uh, people in trial positions and all that kind of stuff. But the point is, is that they would serve the body and that, that there would be five people. And ultimately we would like, like an apostolic pillar who's raising up apostolic people underneath them. A prophetic pillar that's raising up prophetic people underneath them, yeah? So what happens in a church life is if you've got a leader that's let's say very apostolic, what will happen is the people that are drawn to that ministry are generally very apostolic people. If you've got a prophet that's leading a church, generally the, all the prophetic people in that city will be drawn to that prophetic place. If it's led by an evangelist, you'll find all the evangelists. If it's led by a pastor, they won't get above 200 people um, and it will be a very well cared for church, but all the people who care so much about pastoral care will be running to that place. What would it look like if a church had all of those graces in operation? What would it look like if the whole spectrum of Jesus was represented 
and was not only represented, but was thriving so that evangelists could thrive, apostles can thrive, prophets can thrive, and so on and so forth. And that the saints would actually be full measure people living exactly like Jesus. This is our heart. This is what we wanna do and we're working towards it. So we're asked that you'd pray for us. We'd ask that you'd get involved, that you'd, that you'd put any bad... Um, experiences with the fivefold ministry behind you because today is a new day. Today is a new day. And what we wanted, and we experienced this at the church that we visited in Melbourne called Numa Church, this incredible, we met the fivefold team and have been working with them to help put this in place over the last few months. This incredible humility and no ego. I've seen fivefold in other churches before and it's been ugly, but these people for some reason have got it right. And we wanna build a fivefold team where there's humility and honour and self-sacrifice and, and adoration of Jesus. Yes, we'll still be the proverbial mum and dad of the house, but we're having an actual five-fold team that are going to not do the work of the ministry, <laughs> equip the people to do the work of the ministry. Because the worst thing you wanna do is appoint a five-fold team who now those five people are run off their feet and are, doing all the work of the ministry. The fivefold's actually there to equip the people to do the work of the ministry. Are you with me today? So we're not doing anything new. We're going back to God's original plan. And I believe this could be the missing key to really house revival in a proper, authentic, biblical way. I believe it. I, I, I just don't think we can continue going as the Capital C Church the way we have with the one person at the top, superstar, Christian, that gets all the limelight, and then the moment they fall, thousands of people are affected. We cannot be doing that anymore. We've got to do this God's way. Is that okay? Okay, <clears throat> we've got a few more minutes left. I just wanna help you understand something. I, was, I wasn't gonna share this dream that I had, but I think um, the Holy Spirit, I mean, my wife made sure that I was gonna do it. <laughs> She's like the Holy Spirit, always right. Um, so I had a dream last Sunday night and I think it ties into this um, equipping of the people and the, the body actually waking up. So last Sunday night I fell into a dream and I don't have dreams very often, but when I do, I know it's the Lord. And so um, if you could imagine with me an awning coming out of a caravan, but instead of just the top, the sides and the front were covered, so all enclosed. There was a bunk bed inside of that awning and my wife was sleeping on the top bunk. And I was in a house that was kind of semi-connected to this thing. And I was about to go to bed, but I had the, you know, the dad duty in the dream. And I saw, in the dream, I went to go and lock up everything and make sure everything was okay. I had this sense that there were like intruders or robbers around. And so I'm locking up doors and then I go um, outside and then these push bikes, bicycles were kind of on the lawn. And this middle-aged woman comes and I, I knew that she was on drugs and stuff and she went to go and steal a bike um, and I grabbed her and then kind of in the middle of grabbing her to stop her, I said, oh, we've got enough bikes anyway, just go, go. As I did this, and this is the part that the Lord has um, revealed to me what it all is is that there was another, um, I don't know how I knew, but you know you know things in your dream, in your spirit. There was a, a, a man on the ground that, if you can imagine with me, had no skin, completely no skin, bald, and looked like third or fourth degree burns all over him. 
I knew in this dream that this was not a person, this was a spirit. Now, so he's kind of like something out of a zombie movie, you know, quite graphic. And in the dream, I've gone up to this spirit, which is presenting itself as a person. And as soon as I go to it, I know the Lord speaks to me, this spirit represents mental health. And I think this dream is very significant for what's going on in our nation. Represents mental health. Now, this thing had a big kind of sack around it. Now, for some reason in the dream, I knew exactly what was inside of the sack. So I knew that inside of that, I knew that the spirit was mental health, particularly depression and anxiety. And I knew that inside of the sack were all kinds of drugs, including needles like syringes, like heroin syringes. There was also um, a noose in there, so a rope, which represented suicide. And then as I was kind of fighting this spirit in the dream, I wasn't praying against it, I was fighting it, I was wrestling it. Um, also, I knew that there was an aborted fetus in this sack. And as I thought that, then I saw the aborted fetus kind of presented itself. It was very graphic, very, very graphic in the dream. A couple of things that stood out to me. One, when I was near it, it had no power to move and no power to kind of uh, go where it wanted to go and slither around. I knew that this was a spirit and I knew that the entryway to all of the things that were in the sack was actually depression and anxiety. Mental health was the banner that this demonic spirit led to all of those other things. Now, so as I'm wrestling, I get this overwhelming sense, I've gotta go and wake up my bride. I've gotta go and wake up Grace. And so she's already asleep. And so I go and I run and I lift up the awning in the dream and I go in there and I shake her and wake her up. Now in real life, she's a very light sleeper. So if I shook her and woke her up, she'd be up in a jiffy, like real quick. So the one thing that, that I noticed in the dream and the thing that stuck out to me the most was that when I went to wake her up, she had this inability to wake up. She just stayed asleep. Eventually, after screaming and yelling at her, she woke up into this semi-asleep, semi-awake state where she was very, very groggy and unable to spring up and get out. Now, as I've walked away from this spirit to go and do this, it's now got free movement and, it's, and as Grace is kind of groggy and not waking up, kind of leaning to the side, not fully awake yet, the spirit goes under the the awning and goes to climb in very quickly, goes to climb up the bed to get my wife. That's the moment that I woke up. Now my automatic reaction when I woke up was to go into spiritual warfare and pray against this. And as I go to pray in tongues, the Lord says, stop praying, the dream was from me. I think it's a demonic encounter. Stop praying, the dream was from me. And then he began in the middle of the night to show me exactly what was going on in the dream. The entryway, that spirit is the entryway that we're facing in our nation and it's called mental health. You know, it's almost cool nowadays to be depressed. It's become a thing. More people are depressed, more people are anxious, more people are fearful. But what we're not realising is that's the entryway that leads to the drugs, it leads to suicide, it leads to abortion, it leads to all kinds of things. And so this spirit was like the overarching spirit, kind of like where Jezebel is the overarching spirit that leads to control and all of it has her tentacles everywhere. This spirit was kind of like that. It has its tentacles everywhere. Couple things. One is that when I was near it, it didn't have power, 
but also that I had an overwhelming responsibility to tell the bride to wake up. And so the Lord said to me, Adam, it's your job to tell the bride to wake up because she's still asleep. And in fact, some are awake, but they're only half awake and kind of groggy. Still not woken up to the realities. And the Lord said to me that if they don't wake up, this spirit is right there at the door about to get her. And it's your job, maybe part of why we're going to Tepuki, part of why I'm speaking to you today is it's time to wake up. I feel like this dream Church, it's, we cannot play church games any longer. If you're here, we love you and you don't, you don't like, you know, I'm not into this stuff and I just wanna come to church and, you know, clap and pay my tithe and go home. God bless you, you can come here. But let me tell you, Jesus is returning soon. Revival is at the door. And I can't, I can't express what I'm feeling right now. I feel the presence of God on me. I can't express what I'm feeling right now in English words. But there is a spirit that's coming against the church who's lost her power, who's bowed down to depression and anxiety and managed it and drugs and suicide and abortion. And we're weak now, we're asleep. But if we could just play our part as Freedom Centre and wake up very, very quickly because this thing is at the door. I believe it's crunch time. I believe it's like either we wake up or we get eaten up by that Spirit. I believe like individually, I'm not just talking, yeah, we gotta, I love our church, we go there, it's exciting, God. No, 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 individually, we must wake up. If you have an ounce of a Spirit of religion in you, you're not gonna like this, but it's your responsibility to be a believer who is walking in the full measure of Jesus, walking in signs, wonders and miracles, living a holy life, not looking like the world. We can't look like the world any longer because how are they gonna come if we look exactly the same as them? It's time to wake up. It's time to not be okay with anxiety and depression. There has no place in the believer's life. We had a beautiful young girl who got delivered in the foyer on, at the 9am of this exact thing, walked into worship and just started manifesting demons. This is what God is up to. This is what He is doing in our midst. And church, I don't know how to say it, we must wake up. We must move into the full measure of what Christ has called us to be and actually take up the full armour of God and be who God's called us to be. Younger people, youth, you're not too young. Your schools need this more than the adults need it. It's the 10 year olds and the 12 year olds that are saying, I'm depressed. Sitting on video games for hours on end, getting spirits in their life because they're into all kinds of role playing games and all kinds of demonic stuff, opening up doorways everywhere, watching all kinds of rubbish and thinking it's okay. We've got to wake up. The Spirit is there at the door about to get the bride. We cannot be groggy any longer. This is not a time to play church. It's a time to put your boots on and get to war.
It's, it's time to strap them on, man. It's time to tell that workmate about Jesus. It's time to get your prayer life right with God. It's time to be the husband that God's called you to be. It's time to be the wife that God's called you to be. It's time to live a holy life and consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. I'm telling you right now, I say this by the Spirit of God, it is make or break right now. God is pouring out His Spirit in unprecedented ways. But also at the same time, it's like Isaiah 61, the the darkness is getting darker and the light is getting brighter. Either we can be sucked up by the Spirit of the age or we can stand up in as who we are as believers in Christ and actually be the light and the salt of the earth. That's why we're like, I don't care about the church growth books. We're gonna go and preach the Gospel in that place. We're gonna go and do this thing. As a church, as a church, we're gonna go and take territory. We're gonna go and do this thing. We're gonna make disciples. We're gonna love Jesus. We're gonna move in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're gonna be unashamed of the Gospel. This is not time for church. I don't know how I can reframe it and say it again. Part of that is putting the wineskin in place of the fivefold ministry that will house a move of God. It says if we do this, it would equip the people, we'd be built up, we'd be in the unity of faith. That doesn't mean we all believe the same things about everything. It does mean we built, we built, uh, believe the same things about the essentials of the faith. But whether you think, you know, you should pray in tongues during a service or in the privacy, I couldn't care less. Let's, let's not major on the minors. It's unity in diversity. I don't wanna build a church where everybody believes the same thing. We want people who know who they are in Christ and can love one another in true unity. Unity's really easy when everybody thinks the same as you. <laughs> It's just like obedience. People talk about obedience to the Lord. When's the last time you've obeyed when it didn't suit you? That's real. It's easy to obey God when, when, you, when you agree with what He's saying. <laughs> but when He challenges you to do something you don't wanna do, that's real obedience. And so unity is not when everybody believes the same thing. It's actually when people believe different things. We're talking about maturity and the knowledge of Jesus, that we would grow up into the maturity. We'd attain to the full measure and the fullness of Christ. We won't be like children, like kids, the Bible says, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Maybe you're like that. Maybe you watched a YouTube video last week and it just rocked you because you're not strong in the faith. We won't, if we grow up into the full measure, we'll actually be strong. And the people who come and they bring all of their new doctrine, which is all over the place, you know that there is a Korean um, church right now that came out of Korea that is running rampant all over New Zealand, including Tauranga. You'll see them uh, preaching the Gospel outside of schools and in shopping centres right now. And they believe that Jesus is reincarnated in the form of a Korean woman. And they're they're, they're actually... um, Uh, attacking the vulnerable and the weak of our society. And so we need to pray against them. And if you come, come, uh, the Bible's very clear, you don't treat people like that nicely. You treat the sinners nice, you treat the prostitutes and the tax collectors nice. The the people that are are coming and and bringing a false doctrine, there's a way to treat those people, yeah? And so they knocked on my door a few months ago and I asked for an appointment with their pastor. It never happened. I would have loved it to happen, it would have been fun. But 
there's this kind of thing. We won't be affected by the winds and the waves. We won't be affected by this person who dropped a bomb and now I just, I don't know what I believe anymore. No, I'm solid in Christ. Yeah, this full measure stuff. We're talking about speaking the truth in love. Yeah, being able to speak the truth in love. We live in a, in a society right now that we're not allowed to speak the truth in love. Well, it's time for Christians to rise up and speak the truth in love, in love. There's the spirit of the world right now that says you, you can't even say that there's two genders. Stop it. Guys, don't be afraid of that. Don't be intimidated by that spirit. Speak the truth in love. In love, speak the truth. Not with bigotry, not with... The world is the world. It is what it is. But we need to speak the truth in love. This is what mature Christians do. We'll grow to be a mature body. And then this is what I love. It says, The whole body would come together like a body, working together where every part plays its share. Every part does its work. Do you know what the, the um, result of a healthy five-fold team in a local church would be? It's that every person rises up into the full measure of who God's created them to be. And actually everyone does their share. What would it look like, guys? I'm just gonna be honest. I love our church, but we're not here yet. What would it look like? What would it look like if we all, did our part. If consumer Christianity, where you just come here and watch a show and go home, gets thrown out the window. What would it actually look like if every believer knew who they were, was laying hands on the sick, preaching the gospel, loving like Jesus, doing, living? The Bible says we do greater works than Him. What would it look like if we all got to the full measure? We've given you these bracelets because every time you look at your wrist this year, I want you to be challenged. Am I living in the full measure of what Christ paid for? He paid a high price. And I believe that this city would be turned upside down if even just the 11 a.m., not even including the nine and the five, even if just the 11 a.m. started walking in who they are in Christ's full measure, what would happen? What would happen to our city? What would happen to our neighbours? What would happen to our schools? What would happen to our workplaces? And so our heart is that we would build a wineskin in this body, in this church that would house revival, that would be open to a move of God and that would also be uh, operating in a way that God first intended us to operate. Is that okay?